Hello, friends. Thank you for joining the Tao of Miracles podcast. Today, we're going to talk about miracles of healing. Our miracles of healing are not just about healing our physical bodies, but they're easily about other kinds of healing as well, such as emotional healing, spiritual healing, um, support for what's going on in our lives. Those things are all things that help heal us. And today's featured miracle, we're going to talk about one of my own, which happened two years after my father had passed. And I was struggling um, with some things, and we'll get into it in just a minute. But I asked the universe for help. I said, I have anger and grief, and I'm upset at people, and I don't want to blame anyone anymore. And this had happened the year before when the anniversary of my father's death came as well. And that's just not part of who I am, and it was definitely not part of my spiritual practice to hang on to things and to blame others for my upset at what happened in the world. Um, So one night I was struggling um, over the course of a few days and I just said, okay, universe, I can't do this. I've tried and tried and tried to stop being upset about this, to stop blaming people why I couldn't be there when my father passed. Um, I had spent the past two years close to him and the universe kind of swished me off somewhere else and we can get into all of that, but I don't know if it's as relevant to the story. So the week that he was put into hospice, he got diagnosed very quickly with cancer and unfortunately his body couldn't handle a half dose of chemotherapy and he had a horrible, horrible reaction and he was put immediately into hospice and I didn't know what was going on and I didn't understand a lot of things. And, um, and so he passed Um, and I finally got to speak to him on a Friday evening and he passed not long after that, but I was so angry at the world that I couldn't be there. I was around him near him for two years as he was ill. And as we was trying to get a diagnosis for nine months and that one week that I was just wanted to be with him, I couldn't be there. So I was blaming everyone, including myself. Um, and I didn't even see that until after this miracle happened. So I just said to the universe, okay, I can't, uh, it's, these emotions are too strong. This energy is too strong. My spiritual practice is not helping this at all. Um, I, it'll, my meditation and working with the mind and getting into calm states about all of it would happen, but then it was temporary. So I wasn't really reaching that deep scar that I was affected by in my body. So, um, so let's get into what happened with the miracle. If I even say anything about it, we'll, we'll be in it. So it was almost two years to when my father passed. Um, I was planning a trip up north to Canada with my boyfriend and we needed a dog sitter. So I went online on Yelp, uh, which is what I read reviews and see who was nearby that had good reviews. And I found someone and I thought, great, we'll we'll go with that person. Um, Yeah, a miracle was starting to be at play at that moment. And I have seen miracle have me choose people out of a lineup, but usually there'll be a little bright light 
and say, no, go talk to this healer or go talk to this psychic or go see this medium out of a list. And it will show me um, a little metaphysically, not, not nothing grand, uh, nothing completely out of sorts, just an intuitive thing. Um, who to go to. So I didn't even know that that Forest of Miracles was at play when I selected this person. So I, I guess I call or fill out a form. I'm not sure, but we talk online and it turns out the son is the dog sitter and it's a special needs son. And the father comes and sets up the paperwork. So great. Okay, let's do it. So we, set a time for our end of week, Thursday after work. He doesn't want to do evenings. He won't do Saturdays, but I have a job, so we've got to pick something. So he does Thursday evening. Great, I'll be there at six o'clock. Thursday calls, Thursday he calls. Okay, it's not gonna be Thursday, it's gonna be Friday. Friday, he says, okay, I know I don't do Saturdays, but we're coming Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. Okay, great, perfect. So that's the last I think of it. Saturday rolls around. It's early in the morning. I'm upstairs uh, just getting ready. I washed my hair and I was just blow drying it. And I hear this bang on the first floor of the house. And okay. I don't know what that was. It was probably the cat. Or it was my poor baby blind dog bumping into something. I'll just go rescue her in a second. I'm sure she's fine. I didn't hear a whimper. I didn't hear anything. Just this huge bang. And I go back under the blow dryer. And I hear another bang as I'm switching sides. And I'm oh, okay. Something's going on, but I'm still not in a hurry <laughs> because I, I just wasn't. I, I didn't think, I wasn't alarmed. And then all of a sudden, um, as I have the blow dryer down, I hear more like a banging on my kitchen door. I'm, oh gosh, okay, it's not my animals. Let's go see what's going on. And obviously it's impatient. So my kitchen door is, there's, there's three doors in the house, the front, the back, and the side. The kitchen door is the side door, which is um, protected behind a tall fence that people don't go into. So of course it's the landlord because um, he has a shop way on the other side of the yard. And there's also an apartment there where there's another tenant. So it's the landlord or the tenant. Of course it is. So I'm, uh, hear another impatient bang and I just drop the blood dryer. I fly down the stairs and I pivot into the kitchen after going through the dining room and I stop it dead into a wall that doesn't exist because on the other side of my glass door is my father. And I'm expecting my landlord and there is my father or so I think. And I can't move. And I can't do anything but stare. And I'm sure my mouth is hanging open at this point. In fact, I know it was, but I didn't have the muscles to do anything. I am just staring. And every thought is going through my head. How is my father alive? How, maybe he never died. I wasn't there the last week to see that he actually did die. Who's the person he's with? Does he have a family? Did he just lie about it? Now, I forgot that a year earlier we had um, buried his ashes off a boat um, where he requested his ashes to be strewn. He was a British sailor um, from a very young age. So he wanted to be on the water out to sea. 
his passing. So I completely forgot about that. But I'm staring at this person because he has not just every single aspect of my father, he is moving in my father's impatient mannerisms. He is staring at me with my father's like intense glare, kind of forehead lowered, eyes furrowed, and staring out at me. I mean, this man in every sense of the world is my father, and he is even wearing my father's favorite summer outfit, which was a turquoise polo shirt, khaki shorts, white socks pulled up over his calves, and some white sneakers. I've seen my father wear that outfit dozens upon dozens of times. It was a good color on him, and he always wore it. And I can't do anything. And I'm just trying to process was my father standing at my door? How did he know where I lived? Did my stepmother tell him? Did, why wouldn't they call me? Why wouldn't they call me and tell me that my father's okay? I mean, every thought you can imagine. And then all of a sudden, I'm hopeful. I am hopeful that, oh my God, my father's really not passed. My father is alive. And um, I he's kind of, gritting his teeth at me at this point because I'm still not opening the door. And he's got my father's incisors and teeth and lips and all of it. And I'm, I'm still so in awe trying to figure this out. And he finally says something to me, which is, and I'm sure that happened in a minute, but it feels like it went on and on and on for a very long time. And he says, open the door. And I just completely deflate because... That is not my father's accent. My father had a British accent. I, I couldn't hear it. I just heard my father talking. But this man was clearly American. It wasn't my father's voice. And he didn't have my father's accent. So I immediately think I must be having a hallucination. So I'm disappointed that my father's not alive. But I'm like, oh, my God, how could I be seeing him then? I'm hallucinating my father. And... I, I just, I, I, once in my life, I lived in a haunted house in Dallas, Texas for a year until my lease was up and we could get out of there. And one morning I looked over in the bed and I heard my boyfriend's, my fiance's voice, but I saw some crazy looking skeleton thing. And the only thing that kept me sane was that I kept tuning into his voice because I'm looking at him, I'm seeing something completely that's not him, yet I hear his voice, and soon my eyes come out of it. So I don't know what that was about. I have no idea. I never found out. But I'm thinking, this is like that. I'm seeing something that's not really there. And I'm wondering how that's possible, because the rest of my kitchen looks the same. I look at my hands, they look the same. Um, how is it only my father that I'm hallucinating? And I'm wondering if this is what having mental health challenges feel like. I mean, I don't know. I've never experienced something like this before where I'm seeing something persistently that's not changing. And he's talking to me. And then I think, well, can I be dreaming? Is this a dream? Am I having a lucid dream? Um, and I start tracing my steps back. Okay, I'm in the bedroom and I start thinking through it and I've never actually thought back through anything in a dream. So I'm thinking, 
Hmm, probably not. And then finally, the, this poor man is impatient, and I, he says something again, and he says he's talking, and I, I am not listening because I'm trying to figure out what is going on with my brain. And I hear him say the word dog sitter, and I come back. Wow, the dog sitter. He's the dog sitter. He's the dog sitter. Why didn't he come to my front door? Why is he 20 minutes early? <laughs> Who would just knock on someone's kitchen door and pound and act like my father impatiently? And I finally let him in. And I start talking to this man and he thinks I'm a crazy person. Oh my God, you look just like my father. Oh my God, here's a picture. And I run to the shelf and I'm pulling him, pulling down pictures of my father, but it's all my father is a younger man. So he doesn't see the resemblance, but, um, as he finally came in, the second clue that he wasn't my father was his jaw. His jaw was shorter and pushed into his chin. My father had a very square angular jaw. And so finally the spell is broken. Like, okay, it's not my father. How, how did this happen? How did I pick a dog sitter that looks exactly like my father he shows up on my doorstep wearing my father's favorite summer outfit. And he's got all my father's mannerisms. How is that possible? And I don't even remember at that point because I'm still so in shock. I don't remember that I asked for healing. I asked for help. Um, and, and I wasn't asking for a miracle. I wasn't asking for a doppelganger. I wasn't asking for my father. I wanted to emotionally release something in my body like a, a chunk of energy that my body was hanging on to. And so I thought it would happen in meditation. I thought the next time I was in meditation that maybe I would finally clear it or that I would be able to cry it out and release it. Um, there's so many ways to release energy from the body. And this one was just particularly hard. And we can get into that um, at some point if you guys would like. Um, but yeah, so... How did the universe deliver this man who is a spinning image of my father in a dog sitter ad where I could have picked any ad? So after um, he calms down and realizes I'm not completely crazy, I'm a normal person, <laughs> it's safe for his son to come back and dog sit at my house. Um, I do get some more recent photos of my dad online. He's home with his family. His wife sees the photos and she says, oh, okay. Wow, um, that is something. And I send, of course, an, a picture of my dad in the same outfit that the man wore to my side door, and they got it. So um, <laughs> that, that was fine on their behalf. I wasn't insane, and um, they understand my dumbfoundment at the situation. So I think that's the end of it. I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was incredible. Um, and the next morning, of course, I sent pictures to my stepmother and my sister and everyone, and they all thought it looked just like my dad um, in his later years, not long before he passed. They just couldn't believe it. And um, yeah. So the next morning I get up and I'm just again, <laughs> sipping my tea, getting ready in, the, ready in the morning. And while I'm having my tea, I'm thumbing through my social media feed. And it throws up a photo that I posted two years earlier. And it is my 
picture of my blind cocker spaniel, bored, out of her mind, restless, just slumped in the chair in the car seat next to me because we were on day two of a drive back from Santa Fe where my dad was living to the East Coast where I had just moved because I had to pick her up. Um, she had been, she stayed with them when I spent a couple of months in India earlier that year. Um, and she completely bonded with my dad. And so it was lovely for him to have her there. And she was able to stay while I was going through all of this, moving my stuff back and forth across the country. And that's a whole other miracle story of how I moved. So we'll get into that into another time. Um, I didn't want to move. I universe did all sorts of crazy miracle type things to take away jobs and take away um, all sorts of things that I kept manifesting to get me to move. And it turns out that four different miracles were delivered through that move for things that needed to happen in my life that I had no idea um, was in play as it was happening. So anyway, we'll get into that into another scenario. So I just see this social media picture of my dog and I, it just hits me like a ton of bricks. I, it was, I had been called to go pick up my dog because my father was, I think he was finally diagnosed with cancer and he was going to start chemotherapy treatments or, and, um, yeah, so I had driven out there, and the last time I saw my father alive was 9.40 in the morning on the previous Saturday morning, and um, he passed shortly after that, and it turns out that the man who showed up on my doorstep as my father's double, who was supposed to come on Thursday, and then on Friday, and then on Saturday at 10, he showed up at my doorstep Saturday at 9.40 in the morning which was the last time two years earlier, Saturday morning at 9.40, that I saw my father alive. I just, I just got chills. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, not only did I pick um, someone randomly, supposedly on the internet, that just happened to show up the last two years to the day, the last time I saw my father alive. And that was a tough scenario. And I remember the time exactly because... I had been um, leaving the house. I'd been pushing me to leave and I didn't want to leave. And it was 940 and I didn't, there was like, I didn't know my father was going to pass, but something in me understood something on a deeper level. And this is, you know, once we're in, in the Tao and in our more conscious nature, we perceive things, not just through our senses. We start to grow our gut instincts and other things, um, other uh, talents that we have as humans so I drove around to in Santa Fe till noon I wanted to go back to my father's house I just wanted to give him another big hug tell him I love him so much and um, I knew what the response would be he, he he was always like a tough stern guy and he'd be like get on the road what are you doing why are you back here I'm fine everything's fine and I just drove around Santa Fe crying from 9.40 till noon. And I didn't go back to the house. All I wanted to do was go back to the house. And I knew it was ridiculous. And of course, I talked to him after that. But I didn't see him after that. So the miracle happened two years to this Saturday, 9.40 a.m. that I last saw my father alive. Now, how is that possible? How, how could that be possible? Um, 
And, and that's the most incredible thing that I keep trying to figure out with our miracles. Every miracle that has shown up has pointed to the word omniscience, right? Um, either things see into my future and change their outcome, either, I shouldn't say see, things, uh, our conscious universe, and if you call that God, great. I'm still trying to define it. If the name is God, that's fine. I'm, I just believe it's a different definition than perhaps the one that the religion I was born into shared with me about what God and who God is. So what is this conscious nature that can do this for 8 billion people on the planet? I am not the only one with miracles. I've had a slew of miracles, and sometimes I believe they have shown up just because I was trying to figure out who and what we are and miracles are giving the clues. They're providing lots of information and clues, although not answers. Um, so maybe, maybe all the miracles have happened because I'm paying attention, because I'm asking for more, because I know that they're there to take care of my needs. And what I have found out, and we're gonna go into this topic a little bit, is miracles will deliver what they can to help us, right? When my first miracle delivered three sets of strangers to point at my car so my life would be saved in advance, they had to move, they, consciousness, our conscious nature, that which uh, we are made, um, it's hard to put a word for it, uh, the Tao, the source of the Tao, the Tao is not a thing. Um, that it's the flow and the way and the harmony of our conscious existence. Um, that had to move three sets of people into action. Well, on the city streets of New York, there are lots of people at any given time, even late at night. And they worked with the people that were open, right? How did I choose that dog sitter? They worked with me on that choice. Do I think it's random? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. After the whole miracle played out, 940, two years to the day, I asked for help, right? I asked for help and I was considering, like I said, meditation or spiritual practice, um, just releasing some energy. I did not expect a full-blown doppelganger on my doorstep at a particular time that was completely relevant to my personal story. Imagine they had to move him. Okay, whatever happened on Thursday, he didn't show up. Whatever happened on Friday, he didn't show up. Whatever happened on Saturday, he showed up at 940. Whatever happened on Saturday, he came to my side door. If he'd come to the front door, I would have been expecting, at front door, 10 o'clock, I would have been expecting a dog sitter. Side door, behind a tall fence. What made him do that? What made him put my dad's clothes on? These are the things that make me wonder how much of our life is free will, our choices, and how much of our life is preordained or mutable. And, and I think, you know, the universe used this beautiful man as a pawn, and I hate, I'm not diminishing him in any way, but if we're talking about a game or a story, he was put in place like a chess piece to deliver this incredible miracle to me, but it was nothing to him, right? It was a dog sitting gig for his son. 
that he was helping his son facilitate. That's it. For him, it was just a simple thing. But for me, it was this magical experience that shows not just me, but anyone who's looking, how orchestrated our lives can be, or they are sometimes. And um, so the universe will use what it can. If that man didn't live up the street or didn't his, I wasn't in need of a dog sitter, I'm sure my miracle would have been delivered more of the expectation I had, which was to help me heal, right? It could have been through meditation. It could have been through something else. Um, but he was there. He was available. He was the perfect spitting image of my father, minus two little things. Um, same height, same hair, same coloring, same freckled skin, same build on his arms and legs. Everything, everything. Same haircut, same steel blue eyes. <laughs> you know, you can't even imagine. So the universe was able, because he was open. He was open to the flow of the universe working through his life to deliver him at a specific time wearing a specific outfit. The people who saved my life um, unknowingly in Manhattan in my early 20s, they were moved into action. I was moved into action to pick a dog sitter. <sighs> the universe uses what it can, who it can, how it can for 8 billion people. And it's our jobs you know, to, to be looking, to be watching, to be in service. And I want to talk about service. If you have a spiritual practice, you have likely heard about being in service. I do. I um, always attempt to be in service for those who need help um, within reason, without... Um, within court, due course, right? But when we are flowing in our most natural state where we can be put into place by the universe, we are in service to not just ourselves and not just people who clearly need help in our lives, but to strangers, to someone else's miracle. When we are open and flowing and we are being able to be steered accordingly, as to the needs of whatever needs to happen in that moment. Um, we're in the biggest service we could ever be to this world. And that was such a profound lesson for me through these miracles. I, I always had an idea of what services. Yes, I'm going to help this person. Yes, I'm going to be available for this. Yes, I'm going to give money to the homeless. Yes, I'm going to let someone stay in my house because they're in desperate need of a place to stay and they're going through some tough times. Um, I've been in service a lot. But I think the, I, I learned so much from these miracles, these past couple of miracles we've been talking about, because being in service is not just to your choice of situations. Being in service is to this planet and the people on this planet and to our human selves and to our human friends and families, to strangers, um, it's wonderful if you can help that lady across the street so she doesn't get hit by traffic or a bus. But imagine what, by just being in the flow and not being resistant 
to all the places the universe steers us. Um, imagine the level of service we could be to each other and to this planet. So there's a lot to talk about um, getting into how that happens, how we find surrender, how we stop letting our limiting ideas and beliefs rule our lives. And we're going to unpack all of that. But I think we're still in the intro. I'm just kind of going through some of the miracles that have affected my life so I can take listeners on a journey with me um, to some of the conclusions that I've come to that may or may not be right. Um, I believe putting things through the scientific process that they're repeatable and you form a lot of data points. It's not a single solitary soul happening. That's why I believe they're right, but they're right for me. They may not be right for everyone, but if we can talk about this as a collective, um, we might change how we live in the world and we're definitely going to change the potential and possibility to who and what we are. And our lives are not just in the flow for others, but our lives become more harmonious and more balanced. And we live in the world in a different way. We don't strive for the same things. Um, we're not fighting to be something as much as we're fighting to just be. And I say fighting, but um, you're fighting mostly with our own minds, not, not any external factors except the things that society has taught us that we have ingrained in our subconscious. So working on a path of miracles is definitely an undoing. And I want to take you on the journey with me so you can come with your own conclusions and your own understanding and maybe see aspects of it that I haven't seen. And at some point we'll get into other people's miracles and we'll have miracle guests and things like that. But right now we're just going to kind of break down how this has all come together, some of the things that miracles show us about our consciousness and how to work with miracles so they're always active in our lives. So more to come. Thank you so much for listening. Um, thank you for stepping on this journey of miracles with me. And I appreciate it. If you like what you hear here, 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 <laughs> please subscribe or share. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming back. And uh, next time, we're going to talk about another kind of miracle. We're going to talk about a healing miracle that heals the body and redefines a lot of the things we're told about what healing is, what medicine is, how we can heal our bodies, um, and breaks the rules. And, and we're going to start seeing that the rules that we have been taught about who we are and how we operate in this world and what miracles are and what they can do for us. We're going to start to question some of those rules, I think, because we're going to see there are miracles to divide those rules. Then they were wrong. They're not rules. Then they will um, be rewritten, right? Rules have to work. Uh, they have to be true if they're actually rules because I, I consider the rule like a foundational aspect of how something works or how something exists. Otherwise, it's not a rule. It's just someone's ideas that they're demanding. So anyway, again, thank you so much for joining this journey with miracles. And until next week, this is Sarah Powell signing out.